Hello, and welcome to Carnival Personnel SciShow. I'm Jacques. Uh, this is Biff. So Biff, in the 30 years I've been uh, playing hockey in the L.A. area, is it not the most shocking thing how many celebrities play? Uh, this is true. Um, yes. I mean, yeah, that is, that is, it is weird that, you know, I mean, we've played with the Keanu Reeves and, uh, you know, whoever Cuba Goodings and uh, Mike Myers and all those people, right? I mean, yep. we, could, we could do a podcast where we just sure, are yeah. dropping D-bags. Right, 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 right. What, what other people don't understand is how many ex-NHLers right show yeah, up yeah. at pickup you you yeah. played five six years in the nhl your last year was with the kings with the ducks with yeah. with uh, are you sure. you got three yeah. million dollars in the bank are you yeah. moving back to banff alberta or are you staying in the sunshine well i mean some some of them do but i mean you know but sure yeah but, but it's overwhelming how yeah, many a lot a lot of yeah a lot of them hang around in southern southern california and so yeah absolutely I, I, am i exaggerating if i say 50 nhlers have shot on you in pickup games and in tournament games. Is that exaggeration? Or is it, it's, what, I mean, I would say probably closer to like 30, but 50 is a lot. But we're talking uh, people like Alexander Day, number one. Alex, I've never, I've never, yeah, I've never had Alexander Day, but I've had others. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I played against Day a few times. I made two nice moves in a row. And it's funny because two guys on the bench were like, oh my God, you read that, you did this. And I looked, I'm like, do you think he came out of second gear? <laughs> like, literally. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I made. I think he had two left skates on, and was okay. Well, okay, so we're we're talking way too much. We're talking so, way too much. So, with all the celebrities, with all the NHL players, did you, did we ever play with anybody who was a better teammate, a, a nicer person, or a smarter player? Yeah, than Maria Dennis. No, no, Maria, Maria, basically, no. Hockey says you know up the yin yang, right? I mean, yeah, no, no doubt, and. <laughs> With that said, <laughs> we like to welcome our good friend, who we're embarrassing, Maria Dennis, to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Jacques. Thank you, Biff. So good to be here. Yes, yeah. I'm blushing. Uh, that was a very nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> well, here's, here's the other thing that I have a running list that I keep yeah. in my phone of how small the world is. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so Biff and I are playing a number of years with this guy, All-Star Tommy, great guy, another great hockey player, like top 10 player I've ever played with who didn't play in the show. And yeah. it turns out he played at Yale. And then it turns out his beloved wife, Lisa, played at Yale. And coming up in conversation one day, it's like, oh, Lisa played with Maria at Yale. Yeah. Yep. She was my favorite right winger. Oh my gosh, we were close. We were close on the ice and off the ice. And I just loved her to death. And uh, she was a former figure skater and she uh, was a great skater. Mm. And I remember when they started dating at Yale. So I remember oh. Tom. Oh, that's Lisa. awesome. And yep. so, yeah. so but, but before we go too far, can you just kind of tell us, so maybe, maybe tell us, hey, what's your current job? <laughs> <laughs> so my current title uh, it's kind of long is i'm yeah. the senior director of player health and safety and i'm also senior counsel i'm a lawyer right at the uh, national hockey league players association which is the union people don't yep. realize we are a union yep. for the nhl players in the yep. nhl so that's yep. that's my current job and i love it i've uh, been here since 2011 which means i had to leave Los Angeles and you two uh, back in 2011 to come here and live in Toronto. 
And I think it's worked out for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> so, so I'm going to finish off on the Yale thing. And just to embarrass Maria a little bit more, Lisa one day tells us, oh, 50, I told you this recently. Her nickname at Yale was the franchise. Yeah. She, really? Oh, Lisa, like the way she talked about you is the way that Lisa talks about you. It, it's great. It's like the, the reverence and... And so you go from Yale. Let's let's just talk about your playing career first. So you yeah. played at Yale. Um, where did you grow up playing high school hockey? How did you wind up at Yale? So I grew up in Connecticut uh, in the 70s. They started a town program in my local town. And I was six years old and my father decided to put me on the ice. I have no idea why he thought to put me on the ice uh, in the 19. 70s when you know there weren't very many girls or women playing hockey and uh and I tried it out uh and I ended up loving it it's actually a funny story about you know my first time on the ice but to this day I I don't know I asked my dad he just smiles he's like oh I didn't think anything of it yeah sure dad you didn't think anything of it like I just don't understand to this day why he thought to put me on the ice I was one of two girls out there and I ended up being one of two girls who played in the state. So we knew each other because there wow. were no girls who played like travel hockey. Uh, um, yeah. You have any funny stories about your first time on the ice? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, my parents were great because they wanted to to try different activities with me. So I tried gymnastics and I tried all these different sports. I love gymnastics. I would have probably continued with gymnastics, but it conflicted with hockey and I loved hockey more. Um, but my my parents put me on the ice. I was in pink corduroys, <laughs> a white fluffy sweater, a helmet, gloves, a stick, and hockey skates, right? So that was that was what I was wearing. And because they didn't they want they wanted me to try hockey. Now they have try hockey for free days where you get the equipment yep. for free and stuff like that. Uh, the NHLPA is a sponsor of that program. But Back then, they didn't have try hockey for free days. So they put me on the ice in my white fluffy sweater and my pink corduroys. And uh, I come off halfway through and I'm crying, right? I'm crying. My mother's like, why are you crying? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, mom, uh, and this was my biggest fear as a kid. I'm, I, I cannot hear what the coach is saying. What if I do something wrong? I'll embarrass myself. Uh, so that was my biggest fear of being wow. embarrassed. It always was when I was a kid. Um, and so she said, okay, Maria, go stand right next to the coach and you'll always hear what he's saying. Cause you stand oh. right next to him. You can, cause you know, when coaches yell across, yeah, the edge, yeah. you can barely hear what they're saying. So anyway, I stood next to the coach. I heard everything he was saying. I did the drills, right. And I came off with a big smile on my face. And that was the, the, the rest is history. I just loved it. And that is awesome. There was no girls high school hockey in the seventies. No. So um, what happened was I grew up playing with the boys. I grew up playing checking. There's full right. body checking. Um, and I developed very fast skating skills because of that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and when I was about to go to high school, we had junior high. So seven, eighth and ninth grades were in junior high. And then when I hit 10th grade uh, before that, I was deciding, well, should I go to my local high school or should I go to a prep school? Because Back then, the prep schools were, you know, they're all preppy and 
and there was a much better education than my local high school could give. And they happened to have girls only hockey teams. Mm. But back then the girls only hockey teams were, you know, they maybe had a line or two of girls who could play hockey. And then the other lines were mostly converted <laughs> figure skaters. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> anyway, so I, I chose the education. If I had mm. chosen hockey, I would have gone to my local high school because mm -hmm. the coach wanted me to come and play. And he actually invited me to the practices and I practiced with the high school team. There's this ninth right. grader yeah. practicing with seniors in high school, yeah. body checking, right? And there's a one-on-one -on -one drill. And I just remember this one guy who I had a crush on, by the way, because he was <laughs> super cute, um, but he was their best defenseman. And he was amazing. He was an amazing hockey player. And I was like, one-on-one, -on -one, it was my like biggest fear. And I could never get around the guy because he's just, he was three years older than me, yeah. twice my size. And uh, anyway, I, I could have played. I wouldn't have obviously played as much in my first year or so. I would have played, but I was very fast. Mm -hmm. So I could avoid a lot of body checks. So I was very fast. So anyway, if I had chosen hockey, I would have gone to the local high school but I chose the prep school route and I played with the girls and um, basically I could kill, I, you, you know, this, I could kill a penalty off by myself if yeah. I want. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Let's see, you, you grew up in, in New England in the seventies. I wonder if there's anybody who was great at killing penalties on Please. these local <laughs> professional team that you might've been getting some ideas from, um, you, you know, that's you know, awesome. Do you know, my parents had season tickets to the, Back then, it was New England Whalers. Yes. Oh, nice. And it was the Hartford Whalers. Right. So when they when they went from the WHA to the NHL, so I have the Hartford Whalers goal theme song in my mm. head forever. Like I will never forget that song. It's 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 funny because I have somewhere my uncle went to the very first New England Whaler game, and I have the program somewhere either yeah. in a bit in my storage or up in my mom's attic. And I would go to Hartford games because the Forever 500 Whalers mm -hmm. I lived, I lived an, uh, a 20 minute train ride from the garden, but the garden was always sold out. You couldn't get in. You could get Hartford Whaler tickets, five, oh, yeah. six, well, seven bucks. Well, you know, similarly, right? So my first hockey game I've ever been to was, I lived in Toronto at the time. So it was a Toronto oh. Toros versus the New England Whalers. That's the first hockey game I've ever been to. And oh. the amazing thing is my very first game, like in the second period, we have seats behind the, the goal. Um, the goalie makes a save and the puck comes flying into the uh, into the stands and everybody stands up in front of me. It goes through everybody and hits me in the face. Oh, <laughs> and so now the guy I the guy who took me to the game was one of my dad's, you know, you know, um, you know, you know, employees. So he's freaked out that, you know, his boss's son just got hit in the face with a puck. And so and he goes, oh, we need to leave. He says, I don't I I'm I'm okay. It's just a little bloody nose. No, we need to leave right now. It's like, you know, he kind of freaked out. So, yeah. so you getting hit in the face with a puck at your first game, mate, you say, I'm good at this. I'm gonna be a goalie and stop lots of pucks. It didn't kill me. <laughs> so yeah, what's what am I afraid of? Exactly. So, so then then 
you know, did you did you want to go to Yale? Was was being a lawyer always part of the plan, or was how did how did you wind up at Yale? How was hockey at Yale? How did that transition happen? Not, not that we're criticizing the school or anything. You know, no, no, I'm so, sure it's a fine school. Okay, <laughs> school. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, this is the my dad always has great advice for me when I'm going into these life stages and these life decisions, and he, my family, my parents said to me, "Look, Maria, if." If for some reason you broke your leg, God forbid you broke your leg, you couldn't play hockey, what school would you want to go to? Because, I mean, there were only three universities that played really good women's hockey. And all the really good hockey players went to either UNH, so that's New Hampshire, Providence College, or Northeastern University in Boston. And those three, all the all the national team players, all the you know eventually national team players would would go to those three. And then there were the Ivy Leagues. And out of the Ivy Leagues, Yale was the worst. So, so you know, well, pretty far down there back then. I mean, now they're number one, they're, or they all you know they went to the NCAA finals the other year. So they're now they totally changed their program around. But back then we were pretty bad. So, um, but I took my parents' advice to heart, and I said, well, which school would I be happy at if I if I couldn't play hockey? So I I chose it for the school. But funny enough, I. I really chose it because it's the only campus I didn't get sick at. So this is a really funny story. I went to my final like few uh, selections. I had narrowed it down and I threw up on the campus at Brown because you know, when you get nervous and yeah. and your stomach is all, and, you, and I was just, I turned green and I lost it on the Brown campus. So I couldn't go there. I almost did the same thing at Harvard, but I recognized the signs a little earlier this time. So I'm like, I had to sit down. I have to sit down. So I'm like, I couldn't get in the car or else I would get car sick on the way home. So I couldn't go to Harvard. And Yale was the only campus I didn't get sick at. So that's how I chose it. And um, you went there and you went to, where did you end up going to law school? So I went to law school to uh, um, at Georgetown University. Um, and they had a men's club team there. Oh, so it so kind of oh, came full circle. So um, I played men's club team. I don't know what we were in the southeast southeast division of some club hockey. I don't know what division, um, but I was back to full body checking. Um, and again, mm. at that point, fear is a great motivator. Right? <laughs> so uh, I skated super fast. Um, and I want to. I want to point out for a second. You, Maria, to everybody who's listening, yeah. it's, it's an audio thing. Maria talked about being a gymnast. Think of gymnast and how they're built. That's exactly what you're picturing, Maria. <laughs> Maria is not. Uh, I, I, I have. We have lots of friends who women play hockey. Some of them, you know, just bowls in China shops. She is. I, I would love if there's a picture of you with our old friend Mike Butter side by side. Oh. I would give anything because I think I don't want to give away all of your 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 height and everything. Yeah. But let's just say, um, think think Nadia Komenich. For seek, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. before, but so before we go too far into Georgetown, though, back so back at Yale, like, um, so you know, how 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 did how well did you do at Yale? Like, like, relative. I mean, just you know, just well. So, so the team. I mean, we had a great coach my yeah. first two years. She, her name was Kathy Lenahan, 
and she was the captain at Providence. So she okay. was one of those Providence girls. Who okay. was really super good. But Yale did not put any money into mm. their women's hockey program. So she had a full-time job and then was coaching the women's program right. on the side. And she had to make a decision at a certain yeah. point whether she was going to have a life and work one full-time right. job or if she was going to, you know, you know, be strung out on, you know, working 24 hours a day for seven days a week and do the women's hockey program. And she ultimately had to make a decision. So we lost Kathy at the mm. end of my sophomore year. And then we had two different coaches for my junior and mm. senior year. And this there was the back then there was this lack of support. Yeah. for women's sports, but mostly women's hockey. Yeah. It was not high on their priority list. Mm -hmm. And I would, and it, it was a source of frustration mm. for me. I mean, I don't know if I would have made the same decision again. I don't oh. know. Um, because certainly the other Ivy Leagues were, were great schools yeah. too. I mean, I'm not going to knock Harvard or Brown or Princeton, yeah. but, um, but it was a source of constant frustration that they didn't prioritize or treat the women's hockey we got hand-me-downs uh yeah. Yeah. and i am five two john john so <laughs> five two so to get a hand-me-down equipment from them from the men's team nothing's gonna fit me yeah like there's just no yeah. way the helmets were too big the gloves were too big yeah. everything was too big so i actually played in my own gear right. that i brought with me from high school you know from from yeah. youth hockey yeah. so um and when my stick was broken I never broke a stick, although I broke a stick once on a slap shot and I kissed the ice when it happened. <laughs> but I never really broke a stick yeah. until that point. That was like my junior year. Um, but, you know, those they were the old wood sticks. Yeah, so yeah. They get mushy on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, look, I need a new stick. And the equipment manager, who was the men's equipment yeah. manager, would look at me and go, oh, no, no, you could play with it oh, a few more uh, games. Just tape it up. So oh that, that's how women's hockey was treated. Ugh. And um, and funny enough, I, I, you know, we, it's a sore spot with me because we mm. went in and we talked to the athletic department. We told them how we were treated. We told them what we needed and we just got the cold shoulder. So mm. it's still kind of a little chip mm. on my shoulder. Um, and then after I graduated, they tried to get rid of the program and we, oh and goodness, some players who, used to play with me my teammates they um they threatened a title nine lawsuit and of course yale back yeah down. um but anyway so it was back then Oof, when women's yeah. sports was were still struggling with that, that yeah. male dominated prominence and prioritization right. and so yeah. i i came kind of from a different era so yeah. we did not well as a team we did really well under kathy like we were mm -hmm. we were climb in the ranks we we weren't number one but we were right. the last place team yeah um and i still ended up getting a lot of the scoring you know um you know awards and titles and mm. uh, records um uh, even against my male counterparts yeah. uh, but we only skated like 18 to tops 20 games a, a season yeah. and um yeah you know so we we kind of had a fight for everything that we wanted and it was a constant struggle but if we didn't fight yeah. then the next generation <laughs> wouldn't have any so well so so just just yeah. one more thing before so so still so you're the record holder for the yale program uh hockey program for most goals and most points am i incorrect? i think it's you know what i don't know if it's goals or points yeah. but yeah i, still I thought it was goals 
I used to hold a record for a lot more, and yeah. then slowly they well, and they yeah. started adding games like right, yeah. right. No, well, I was gonna say not just that, but like so to you know, I know that goal. I, what I read was you hold the record for goals and points, and I do remember that you know aforementioned Lisa's husband Tom has played with at least I think two NHL players. Like he had like Bob Kudelski and Randy Wood. Randy I want to say Randy Wood and Bob Kudelski, right? Yeah. You know, on his team, because I looked him up on Hockey DB a long time ago and said, wow. So so it's like, if you think about it, it's just mind-boggling that you hold, hold records above, you know, people who are, you know, like actual known NHL players of that era, right? I mean, you know, it's I guess fun. Yale wasn't really a place where many NHL players went back then. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, you know, they go there now, but just the fact that, you know, these guys made it to the show and... Yeah, you got you hold records about those guys. So, so we will segue into where the women's game is now. But so you go to law school, you're playing men's hockey and law school. Law school's over. You 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 get your degree. How do you wind up? How do we cross paths with a at the time mid seventies French Canadian running hockey in Southern California? How did we all cross paths? What got you to LA? How do you go from Connecticut, Yale to grad school to Los Angeles? So what happened was when I was um, in law school, uh, the guy I was dating at the time, my boyfriend wanted to come to LA to be in the movie industry. So he wanted to be a producer, executive producer. So He's like, Maria, why don't you do your one of your internships between, you know, one of your summers? Why don't you do an internship out in L.A.? And we'll go be in L.A. And so I did. And I had a blast. I worked for this uh, large law firm out in downtown Los Angeles. And then I went back to do my third year of law school, which is the last year of law school at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. And we broke up. So we broke up in my third year. Um, and at that point, it was too late to pivot. I had already accepted the position because after you intern there, then they give they then they extend full time position offers. So I had already accepted the offer, and I tried to find another job somewhere else, but it was late in the cycle, and I mm. couldn't. I, it was too late. They had already done their hiring, so I tried to stay in Washington D.C. I tried to find a job in New York City or Boston. So I couldn't. Uh, so I went out to L.A. And that's also when the first that recession hit, because that was the first Iraqi uh, oh, war. Yeah. And so I went out to L.A. and then I just stayed like I stayed for almost like 20 years. I just right. I just stayed. And it's funny because when you back then there were what three rinks, there was Burbank, Pickwick, Burbank. There was um, Culver City, North, North Hollywood, Col yeah. Culver City. That tiny Van Nuys rink. The Van Nuys yeah. rink. And okay. I never skated in that one back then. Oh, I mean, and I Pasadena had a rink, tiny rink also, but yeah. And then they have Paramount where Zamboni was born, but that's weird. Paramount, right? right? And yeah. that's it. And yeah. how surprised were you? Because, you know, when I got out there, like, you know, I was surprised at like, how big you know roller hockey was big but ice hockey and i didn't associate i mean gretzky had just got out there a few years before yeah. and that and that changed things but what i was surprised when i got out there in 95 is how it's a small community but it's a real robust community and once right. you 
I mean, it was the first. I'm not there a couple months. I don't. I don't know anybody. I'm playing on a celebrity roller hockey team, but nobody had played ice hockey. Yeah. I, I wanted to play. I called the rinks. I lived in Pasadena. Um, I called yeah, the Pasadena rink. Yes, yeah. I had it played there, and that's when they the guys like oh. You know, you know, I couldn't play in a league because I worked on a TV show. So weird hours, all this stuff. And they're like, well, here's a guy's number. It turned out to be Legois. And <laughs> then we come to find out that he is the godfather of Southwestern yes. hockey. Yeah. And and it was in the first couple skates that I literally end up meeting people who I'm closer to Biff. I'm closer to John. I'm closer to, you know, a bunch of the Paul, Paul Regar. And I talk on a regular basis, another Boston transplant. Yeah. And like, once you make it past the first year, you don't leave L.A. unless a great job comes up. But if you have this hockey family, which is yeah. insane. And so that's that's how whenever I moved to a new place. So when I moved to D.C. for for um, law school, I found my friends. I immediately went to the rink. I called them up. I said, I need a pickup, a drop in. I need some. So that's how I made my friends in D.C. Yeah. And then when I graduated three years later. I missed my hockey friends. But I did the same thing when I moved to L.A. I called Burbank. I called Pickwick Arena and I said, do you have any drop-in hockey? Do you have any pickup hockey? And they gave me Paul Laguar's number. That's awesome. And I and he's like, they they skate really late at uh, Friday nights and blah yeah. blah blah, ten to midnight or something. And I'm like, fine, fine, fine. You know, I was young then; I could yeah. skate that late. And uh, and I I called him up, and in his French accent, he said, "Oh yes, you know, we have room, but we're gonna put you on the second line first. And so I had to work, <laughs> my, I had to work but I had to have my tryout, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, you start in the second line, yeah. you work your way up to the first. So it, that's how I Yeah, you're it. that person that shows up. Oh, yeah, that person's on the second line is like, yeah, yeah, we're getting toasted because well, um you know. <laughs> the old joke is like when I had a when I would have the privilege of running Friday night for Paul and you, all the second line people who think they belong on first line, yeah. I yeah. would say, I would say what happened with Maria. You saying I belong on the first line doesn't mean crap. Yeah. Right. The other 11 people on the second line saying, get this person off. Please send them to the show. And, yeah. and, and so the hockey thing isn't a Georgetown thing. It isn't an L.A. thing. My, my wife in 2014 got a job in guitar. And before she took it, I said, I just, if this hockey, and I don't mean yeah. hockey, hockey, is there a way yeah. I can go skating? Can I keep my legs under me? Yeah. I called and found out there's a robust league. I mean, a robust international league, national team, but there's pickup hockey. And because I'm, I'm me, because I'm a wing nut, I talked to a guy, I came out to visit. And the first day he's like, it's on this night. He brings me in the locker room. Everybody says hi. Everybody's super friendly. It was the UN, a few Finns, a few Swedes, a couple Russians, most of Canadians. I have my old Charleston Chief jersey. I look like I look. <laughs> I, I, I have the jersey on. I look up and I only know one guy on the other side of the room. And I'm like, Dave, do you got any tape? He goes, yeah. He picks up the tape. He goes to throw it to me. I have tinfoil on my hand. <laughs> and, and and for the scene from Slapshot. Yeah. And it's an international thing. Before right. I left that locker room, I had yeah. 20 brothers who would lay down in traffic for me. And because yeah. I don't suck too bad, and because the only real skill I have is I'm a good passer, people like the guy who passes to them. Yeah. You know? yeah. and, and 
my wife had been in the country for a couple months. She worked so much. She knew some people. I come home that one time with a phone full of numbers of people saying, this is where our kid does piano. Oh, let's have a play date here. We live over here. I mean, honestly, yeah. it was such a worldwide welcoming thing that if you yeah. can find a rank, yeah. you, ha yeah. you have instant friends. So so you're, you're in LA for 20 years. That's how we meet you. Um, yep. And now you you're there. You're a lawyer. You, you you. But how do you go from being a lawyer in L.A. playing hockey to the NHL? How did you finally make it to the NHL, Maria? <laughs> I, I made it to the NHL. OK, so this is a, actually a good story. So um, while I was in law school, I was a second year uh, in um, second year at law school. And they finally my dad, who was quite active in USA hockey. He was like the director of New England and the district and everything. Wow. He had been campaigning to get girls hockey, women's hockey as um as an Olympic sport for years and years. Right. Because he knew that behind me there was an even bigger population of girls growing up. And behind that that population or that generation there was another generation of all these girls and it was getting uh, bigger and bigger and growing. And he wanted there to be a place to go. Um, and it's funny because he he actually got in trouble for, he, he wrote, because he, he figured that the other strong country that played hockey, he thought it was the Soviet Union. Mm. And so I think, I don't know, I'm probably telling this story wrong. But he <laughs> wrote some letter to somebody saying, do you have a women's hockey team and you know, don't you think it should be an Olympic sport? And people ended up secret service people or somebody up and down my street. <laughs> going, Do you know Maria Dennis's father? And but what kind of man is he? Is he a spy? And the whole thing. Because, you know, back then, it's still yeah. Cold War. Yeah. War. Um, but anyway, so my dad had been campaigning for that. And finally, finally, in 1990, the IIHF uh, decided to have a women's world championship. Right. And so it was the fifth, first women's world tournament. And I, there I was, you know, I was in my prime four years at Yale, best shape of my life. And then I was just hanging on playing, you know, with the men's team at Georgetown, not really practice. We had like one practice and one game or two games a weekend. Mm. So we didn't really practice uh, very much. And it was my first, or it was the Christmas break. And we had tryouts for the women's national team. And I had just been eating potato chips and drinking Diet Cokes like there's no tomorrow because I was on my two-week exams. Like right. I, I had all my exams. And so I was in horrible shape. I was sleep deprived. I finished my exams, but I made the team. So I was really happy I made the team. But, you know, back then there's no, okay, you're on the team. We're going to put you in a residential set up and we're going to practice every day and here's your nutrition and here's your coat here are your coaches and your massage no 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 <laughs> my dad bought us the warm-up suits another dad bought us our hockey bags um you know usa hockey paid for a little prop plane to go up to ottawa to play in the actual championships we got together four days before to practice like we didn't know each other very, we hadn't played in you know together and we ended up still obviously just be based on talent, getting a silver medal because we lost to Canada. Um, they had an open net goal. So I say it was four, two, but it was five. <laughs> two. So, um, you know, but 
that was our first taste of being on an international scene. Uh, we played in front of, and I used to have this number memorized, but it was like 8,874 people. And when you play in front of 8,000 people, you have wings on your skates. You do not get tired. Like you just, you just, you know, like you're just yep. so fast. Yeah. And because you're so excited to be on that world stage, it was a surreal experience. That's incredible. Um, wow. But I will say I, I kind of, we were all nervous uh, for the final game and Usually we ran down the tunnel so that we could get a running start onto the ice and come out like firing all cylinders. And I didn't realize I had my skate guards on. Oh! <laughs> nice. You will be impressed. I made it from the corner, like the Zamboni corner, to the top of the circle. Before wow. Oh. Yep. Kelly Owen, I think she was from Minnesota. I think Kelly Owen says, Skate guards. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, like, everybody laughed, so it yeah. kind of reduced, you know, reduced yeah. the tension, and so I did my job. So, That's any any luminaries from that team? Did you it was like Cami Granado Cammy, on that team? Cami Granado, she was a yeah. young eighteen year old yeah. phenom, and that was her first foray into the right. international scene. And we were all on our like way right. out, right? Um, I couldn't hang on. I just couldn't do it. It was 1992 and the next yeah. one rolled around. I was already, um, you know, practicing law yeah. and I was, you know, a young lawyer. So I did the crazy hours and, yeah. and I was playing beer league in LA, you know, yeah. Josh, Fifth, when you go yeah. out there, you play pickup and it's beer league. And it's, it's not yeah. the same. Now, no. please tell me you have your jersey framed and it's at mom's house <laughs> over the fireplace. It's, it's definitely at mom's house, but it's probably in a bin somewhere or no. down in the cellar. Oh, no, oh, we, yeah. we get, please, we please get it. I, I will have it framed for you. I, 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 I'm actually going to, it's near New Haven next weekend. Our friend, our friend, uh, you know, uh, Guitar Center Scotty Sunmaza, who is playing prep hockey in Quebec, is playing a tournament down near New Haven. And every time he's within a couple hour drive, my son and I go down to see him. He's a sweetheart kid. Well, his dad's awesome. a sweetheart. Mom's a sweetheart. His kid's a sweetheart. So we're going to go to, I will drive by mom's house. I will pick it up. I will have it framed. <laughs> and my little guy who lives for football, soccer, uh, we're planning on coming up to Toronto to see uh, Toronto New England Revs game. And I will hand deliver it to you. I'm not, <laughs> that's not an empty thing. If I get that jersey, and again, talking about a tiny world, we won't segue into it. That's 1990. 2001, we have a mutual friend who starts playing pro hockey in Vancouver. And the first season, this, this woman, she's the only American on the team. The second season, Cami Granado comes over, Shelly Looney comes over, and now here I am. She was the our friend from LA was the only one on the nine to 2002 um, Vancouver Griffins who wasn't in the starting lineup of the 2000 Olympics. And I can tell you, I got to be very good friends with Cami and Shelly, and the way they talked about you was the way that Lisa talked about you at Yale. So there's a span where everybody i've crossed paths with understands what a pioneer you were and and that you are one of the shoulders that were stood on to yeah. get women's hockey to where it was in 2002 yeah. 
and where it is in 2024. So believe me, if if you don't think that the people standing on the shoulders uh, of the you and the teammates from 1990 and the Yale girls and the girls you the one girl in Connecticut you played with in the 70s, trust me, Maria. Like what you've done to pave the road for these you know athletes is, is not it's yep. not uh, forgotten. So. Oh, well, that's sweet of you to say. I'm, I'm blushing, actually. That's really nice. But, but I, it's, it's I, all I think of is that I'm pissed that I didn't, I wasn't born later. Five years later, six years later. You know, the, 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 you know, it's one of those, one of those things though, like in some ways, right? Because if you weren't, you know, there when you were, right? Like, I don't know if the women's program would have been where it ended up in, let's say, you know, huh. 94 and 90, all, ultimately true. in 98, right? Yeah. It's it's one of those, you know, it, it sucks that, you know, I mean, you know, oh, you know, I mean, you should have been on that 98 team. Well, but that's but, it's, okay. it's, but, but so, you're the one that is the, is the you know, you know, you're part I, of the architect of that team. Really. I did. I did try to come out of retirement. I yeah. took a sabbatical. I had already been practicing law for about seven, eight yeah. years at that point. And I just couldn't undo the damage of sitting at a desk for that long yeah. and playing beer league for that long with you guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I apologize. I, I try, I, to this day, I don't regret trying because if I didn't try, I would yeah. be on my rocking chair as, as yeah. an 88 year old going, yeah. I should have tried. For well, that you know, and, 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 and to that point, to that point, that coach was Ben Smith, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the friend that we had in LA was 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 getting all these college offers and and wasn't a college person. And it's funny because when your parents said, "Hey, if you break your leg, where do you want to go?" Ben Smith basically told this this player the same thing that, "Hey, don't go to college to play hockey. Go to college because you'll take away yeah. a scholarship from somebody yeah. who wants to do." Here's yeah. this league. And in the conversations with him, because he's the one that sent her up to Canada, uh, originally sent her to Toronto because that's where the better team was. 9-11, she couldn't get a flight there. So they shipped her rights to Vancouver so she could be driven up there. But we talked to Ben and we're like, hey, this is who she's worked with. She's been mentored. And as soon as your name came up in conversation, like the glowing like like things that just flew out of him about the fact that this person that we're all friends with was mentored by you was basically okay i'll watch her skate but if she gets a nod from maria dennis yeah she's going to play in this league so it's not just the women around you the shelly loonies the cammies uh the the leases who know it it's the ben smiths of the world who realize that you paved this road yeah. so oh, that's sweet wow so, well i and i actually never answered your question yeah. because you said how did i get here yes so, um because in the u.s unlike in canada but mm. the u.s has a federal law that says if you have a national governing body of a sport so it could be hockey it could be tennis it could be soccer whatever if you have a national governing body of a sport that goes to the Olympics or world championships, you have to have, back then it was 20% athlete representation on your board. And the way you qualify as an athlete is you either have competed in a worlds or the Olympics. So because I competed on the world team in 1990, I was eligible to sit on the board of USA Hockey. So they had to comply with this federal law 
back then it was called the 1978 uh, Ted Stevens Olympic and Amateur Sports Act. I don't know what it's called now, yeah. but um, so I was part of that 20% athlete representation. Wow. So because you can't make all these decisions about sports and where these athletes are going to play and go and how they're going to compete and where the money's going to go to right. fund these programs without athletes having a voice. So that's how my athlete mm. advocacy. Wow. wow. So because I sat on the board of USA Hockey, we send one athlete. Each sport sends an athlete to the next level, which is the U.S. Olympic Committee. So, you know, squash was there and basketball was there. Volleyball was there and hockey was there. And the guy before me who held the position was Mark Fusco. I don't know if you remember the, yes. Fusco, yeah, you know, the Fusco brothers because my pseudo brother got his doctorate from Harvard in 84. Yeah, that would be I, his generation. And, yeah. and going to bright arena to see games that, that for me was like, holy cow this was that's when my love for college hockey really yeah. really was born. and the fusco brothers i think they both played on the 84 team yeah i think so, so yeah so mark and scott both yeah. played and both mark played. Both mark played. was me mark was one of the 20 percent athletes on the usa hockey board oh. and they elected him to the u.s olympic committee board but his term was coming to an end and so he thought it would be best to have a woman, kudos to him, yeah. take his place. And so I was elected by my peers to be the USA Hockey representative at the US Olympic Committee Board. And through that, like I served for 10 years. So through that yeah. advocacy, and it was all a voluntary position. We didn't get paid for this. We got right. our travel covered and everything, but we didn't get compensated for this. But we... We were the voice of the athletes. So if an important decision was being made, and back then we're formulating the whole drug testing system, mm. we're talking about commercialization and the marketing rights of national governing bodies over equipment. It was a very, very important time to have athletes' voices heard. And so I sat on that board for 10 years and I met Don Fear there because he mm. served on the board as a public sector member. And he used to be at that time, the executive director of the major league baseball players association right. and his perspective, because he represented athletes, professional athletes, but he represented athletes. So he always sided with us, right. the other athletes, the amateur athletes, because he wanted the athletes rights to be upheld. And he was all about fighting for athletes voices and athletes, rights to be upheld and so he always aligned with us and he taught us a lot of good lessons too he's like hey if you want this go for this and so he was a great friend to the athletes and so we worked together so when eventually uh, he took the position uh, with the nhl players association as their executive director uh back in 2010 i want to say he said, Maria, I know you're a big athlete advocate and you're a lawyer. We need more lawyers on staff. Do you want to come and be a lawyer at the NHLPA? And I said, no, Don, I prefer to be a real estate transactional lawyer uh, in Los Angeles. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> for a second, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. No, are you kidding? This is my dream job. Are you right. kidding me? So I was like, of course I'll come. And so I packed up my stuff and left LA and moved to Toronto. And, and that's how I came mm. to my position. It's because 
I've been advocating on behalf of athletes for years and years and right. years, but not my job. And so now I get to combine my passion right. with my job and I love it. So, so when, when we were talking the other day, um, it, it, things have changed so much in sports, you know, and, and we, we could talk forever how, you know, how many times did you get your bell rung, Maria, playing hockey? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what I mean by that is how many, and, and this is the honest question, how many undiagnosed concussions do you think you had? Oh, and, I've had many, many, yeah. many. I, I've woken up. I've lost three days of my life coming out of MR CAT scans from hockey that I don't remember the day before. And it's, I played the whole game. I played well, but something... But when we play, you got your bell rung and things have been changing. What has been the slowest thing to change in sports, women's sports, men's sports, sports is the health from the neck up and not yeah. just the concussion protocols. Yeah. Right. You know, which, which, which let's face it, in some sports they are taken more serious than others. Yeah. Um, you know, but but look, they've come a long way from where we are. Uh, right. But when we talked the other day, we had this a wonderful talk about mental health yep. finally being addressed on yep. a real substantive. Yep. Hey, this isn't for show. This isn't yep. a a PR blast going out. Can you talk about what what the players' association, not the league, is doing? Because because yeah. this is the players saying, "Hey, you know, the money and all this stuff. That's the league. This is yep. our health." Can you talk about that program and how that's come about? Yeah, this is one of again my passions, and I'm really happy to see it to to see it come yeah. to fruition. But um, I think everyone realizes, uh, and they realize during COVID, how important mental health is. Yeah. And so, as society has kind of realized how important mental health and mental wellness is, there grew this uh, realization in our population, our membership. Um, that, yeah, we need to take care of our mental health. And it's more accepted in society because I think people were really struggling during COVID and realizing that they needed to get some kind of support. And we even checked in with our players. So we we hired, the NHLPA hired Dr. Jay Harrison um, uh, right before COVID. Um, and we formed this health and wellness team at the PA. And so during COVID, when people were in the bubble and people were going through all of this isolation, we had our experts check in with our players. We had our consulting psychologist, Dr. Joel Golds, check in with them. We had uh, Jay Harrison check in with them and said, hey, just wanna let you know we're here. Um, hope you're doing well, da, da, da. It was just a check-in. And we heard back from our players that even though some never responded, they just appreciated getting the test. Mm. So sometimes it's just the reach out that makes a difference. Um, and so we wanted to build on that post COVID. So now that the world is trying to return back to yeah. quote unquote normal, although I don't think we'll ever return to pre COVID levels. Um, we realized that having uh, a program that teaches our population about leadership and, and the skills that they need to have uh, awareness about this topic is very important. So we created in collaboration with the Mental Health Commission of Canada, uh, this program called First Line. And like I said, it's a new leadership and education program that teaches our players the skills 
to allow them to become more conversant in mental health topics, to increase their knowledge about common mental health issues, um, give them skills to provide peer-to-peer -peer support. We're not teaching them to be psychologists or psychiatrists. No. We're just teaching them to be kind human beings and able to provide meaningful support to maybe a mm. teammate or a family member. And also it educates them on very basic concepts so that they feel comfortable talking about mental health and they're more comfortable support, supporting their own mental health as well as their teammates and their mm. families at home. So it's all about education, education, yep. education. So we're providing this resource, this education program to our players, our membership. It's on a voluntary basis. The course could be delivered in person or virtually. Um, it's taught by Dr. Harrison, who is now certified by the Mental Health Commission to actually be the trainer and facilitator of this course. Um, and it takes a few hours and, you know, we've had such great uptake on it. He's already given the training to about 20, I want to say 25 players. Don't hold me to that, but yeah. we just rolled it out and we've already, he's already trained 25 players. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm taking yeah. this course. Yeah. So it's, it's something that we all should yeah. take, by the way. Um, what we did with the mental health commission is we took their course and we actually customized it so that the the examples are in hockey talk, the the scenarios are hockey specific scenarios, so they'll 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 resonate with our members. But we don't have to customize it. We could, you know, it, it was I took the original course before it was customized. And now I feel more comfortable talking to somebody yeah. about some issues or saying, hey, why don't you talk to a professional? I can't handle it. But you know, from what you said, you know, I'm here for you and I'm a shoulder or an ear. I could listen to whatever you need. And it just makes you more comfortable being able to provide support. So I think everyone should take it. It's just a great course. I mean, well, I was just going to say, you know, as a, you know, observer of this game, I just felt like there has been quite a bit of a culture shift. And, you know, you're being so much closer to this. Do you feel that shift over that 10 years you've been there or 10, 15 years you've been there? I do. I yeah. feel the shift. It's yeah. similar to the shift on concussions. And yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because when I joined the PA in 2011, we were just starting to talk about concussion protocol. Yeah. And we just implemented, you know, going to the quiet room to get evaluated. If you, if, you know, we see that you got a blow or, or indirect blow to the head and you exhibit yeah. possible visible signs of a possible concussion. Yeah. You're going to go back for safety's sake, get yeah. evaluated. If you're fine, you're fine. If you're not, at least, you know, we, we took you out before more damage was done. Yeah. And now there's this culture shift about teammates looking out for uh, their teammates. Yeah. Hey, you know, go, go get checked out. We, you're, you know, you're not, you're not looking right or you don't yeah. you don't look like yourself go get checked out so we this whole culture has shifted yeah. with regard to concussion and taking care of our physical health mm -hmm. so i feel like that culture shift will now occur on the mental health that's, side that's, 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 right. that's yeah that's awesome that is awesome no i i mean i, I saw i remember in the nfl a couple of years ago there was one guy clearly concussed but they're in the hurry up offense and one of his other um, aligned, you know, offensive players realized 
and he deliberately went offside to take a flag to stop the play. And as he's turning to go to his player, the guy falls. If that play had happened, his adrenaline probably would have kept going. He might make another catch or whatever. So it is so it's it, and it, without going off on a tangent, it's funny when people don't understand the old style of fighting the game was actually for player safety to police the game overall. You know, yeah. sometimes a young player who's skating pitchforking with a stick up needs an older player to come in and nicely yeah. say, hey, before yeah. you put five people's eyes out, I'm just gonna give you a bop on and and yeah. they yeah. but no the play the player driving it because it at the end of the day it has to come from the players first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they they have to, and in all the years we've played on different levels, man, there's people I just love coming across a blue line you can level, but never wanting to hurt anybody. Like like and and, and the older we get and stuff like that, it's like now it's like, yeah, you see a good check and it's great. It's part of the game, but you never even want to see the player on the team you like the least yeah. even hurt a little. Yeah. Want them to, it's it, and I think the players really that is that has changed. Yeah so much and i think it's what yeah. the players association is doing um that really has to drive these things so it's fantastic they have you um before we let you go there's a few things i wanted to to throw by what do you think of the health of the pro women's game these days oh so i just went to my first pwh oh, okay the other day um i bought season tickets to the toronto um mm, yeah. team and my and the actual nhlpa bought tickets too so we have we have four total, but um, we used to support. So the NHLPA used to support the PWHPA players before right. they went into this professional league. Because yeah. back then, that you know, even just as little as last year, they were still a considered a nonprofit charitable organization. Yeah. So we could give them money. So we supported them for years, and before that, we supported them when they were the CWHL. So the NHL players have always supported the women's uh, leagues. And now that they're this professional league, I, I went to my first game, God, it's... it was packed, it was sold out. The crowd was loud. The television coverage was amazing. It's on TSN up here and Sportsnet yep. up here. Yeah. All the games are televised up here. And every single game is televised on the PWHL YouTube yep. channel. So if you can't get yeah. TSN or Sportsnet down in the States, you could watch every oh, single yeah. game yeah. on the YouTube channel. Yeah, no, the games. Have, so I've, I've watched about four games now. And <laughs> I got to say, you, you know what I really love about the way the way they the the single most thing that I love about this is the way they're calling the games because you know what it is it is it is chippy. Oh, it's very chippy, and, and they're only body it's, checking. It's like so. yeah, and you know what? I, when I was watching the uh, the like the 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 uh, the Minnesota, I think it was Minnesota New York game. They're like the you know the Minnesota crowd knows you know women's college hockey, and they're going you know they're kind of doing the ooh ah thing, yeah, expecting penalties and nope, nope. We're they let them play. They oh, put the whistles it. away. And I love I, it. So there's full body checking shots, full body checking. And someone said, well, they're not allowed to do open ice hits. Yeah. Do you know how many open ice hits I saw at that Toronto-Boston game the other night? There were like four or five. And I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. That girl just got smoked. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's brutal. It's great. You know, it's great. I, yeah. it's great hockey. And it's clean. That was a clean yeah. no, check. Yeah. dirty. Like you know, it, it was yeah. good hard hockey. And not only that, 
I showed a clip of um, I think it was Taylor Heisey's goal. She plays her. Oh manager. my god, she had two that oh, day. Oh my god, she oh my dangled. god. And I sent it to my male hockey friend. He's like, oh my God, that was like a McDavid. And oh that's my. the skill level we're talking about. Yeah. Oh no. my God. It's, it's I mean, yeah. Well, well, so like I think the other thing is, you know, I love the way they've assembled, you know, they assemble the teams. Like, you know, you you know, I mean, listen, I I hate to admit it, but in my mind, you know, uh MPP is like the 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 most clutch player in the history of the game. Yes. And so it's kind of right that she's in Montreal. You yep. know, there's all these other, you know, Hillary Knight and, you know, and, you know, Boston, all that stuff. I, I love the opening night where you had like, uh, it was, you know, the Minnesota Boston opening game was, you know, you had uh, like the two kind of the last two Olympic, you know, you know, goalies for the USA, you know, facing each other, all that kind of stuff. I just love the way the teams are assembled too. It's just incredible. Did have you seen them uh, scuffle too? I mean, like oh they're my God. fighting. Yeah. Oh, like, like, yeah. MPP yeah. is a is kind of a she's kind of like McKinnon in, in that she's yeah. kind of like she's that kind of that you know sneaky, dirty almost. I want to say it's you know she's gritty, very gritty. Oh yeah, but she's like she's like yeah, she does not mess around. Biff no. and I, Biff and I have talked about this in a hundred times over the last ten years, the last twenty years. We've talked about it on the podcast. Is there, and I mean this, I mean, I mean, Montreal versus Toronto, the Red Sox versus the Yankees, Dallas Cowboys Steelers. Is there a better rivalry in all of sport than Team USA, Team Canada, women's hockey? No, that's the biggest, longest, most outstanding rivalry there is. They, although I will say, I mean, the rivalry still exists, but now because of the PWHPA, they had to work together. Wow. They all put down their differences and their dislike for each other on the ice. They put it away when they had to work together to yeah. make this reality come true. Yeah. And they really, now they still are mean to each other on the ice, <laughs> oh, but man. they respect each other. They play hard. They know to leave it on the ice, and they all work together to make this new league right. happen. I think it's just it's it, wonderful. It well, and, and they they've also played on the same like university teams and stuff. But like yeah. obviously, yeah. since '98, yeah. has there been a game between oh. the two teams? That's whether it's a gold oh my God. game or whether it's a preseason friendly. Is yeah. there a game that wasn't appointment watching television? No. I went to a U.S. rivalry series. If you don't know it, the listeners don't oh. know it. It's the U.S.-Canada rivalry series yeah. where they, in the lead up to a world championship yeah. or a lead up to Olympics, they play some friendlies, yeah. right? So friendlies. <laughs> game, yeah, yeah, friendlies. So those games are hotly contested games. And I brought um, a, a, a guy, hockey friend, and his son who played peewee. I think he was a peewee at the time. So he would have been 12. 12 or, yeah, 12. I brought them to a game with a guy hockey friend that you, we all know uh, to the game in LA. Yeah. They were on the edge. The father and his son were on the edge of their seats. They loved it. They said, this is the best hockey they've seen in years. Yeah. They loved, they, yeah. they are huge. I turned them into yeah. huge women's hockey fans. I mean, yeah. they were women's hockey fans yeah. before, but seeing it live and appreciating the skill and the oh my gosh, how close the game was! I don't know yeah. how it ended up, but they had a blast. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was so privileged to, and this is twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, to see you know Callie Wickenheiser, who was playing for Calgary, play against Shelly and Cami in Vancouver, and there was six, seven, seven, eight girls on the Haley? Calgary team. Who Haley Wickenheiser? 
Yeah, yeah, she she played in that league with our friend from L.A. And just seeing, like, man, there was no love loss. Even in these games, it was just – and it was kind of like the unofficial, hey, it's not Olympic year. You're going to play in Vancouver. Canada's going to play in Calgary. And each one of those games – and I would bring the tapes home and just show my friend. And they'd be like, there was never a bad pass. No one was out of position. And there wasn't – there wasn't open ice hitting. Don't go in the corner. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. Go in the no. corner. don't no. stand in front of the net. Don't yeah. there was yeah. there was no free rides. You know, you yeah. weren't dumping chase up the boards and get the defenseman turning to follow the puck. They were gonna yeah. m- make the real estate along the boards very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I went to one of those rivalry games a few years back at the pond, and once yeah. again, you know, you know, um, you know, uh fantastic game. Um, yeah. so yeah. And, but you know, I still kind of wonder. Like, I think uh, Julie Chu is married to Caroline Ulett, so Julie yes. Chu, Canadian, I'm yes. American legend, yes. Caroline Ulett, Canadian legend. I don't know how they ever watch any of those games. It's like they probably have to like sit in separate rooms to watch those games. <laughs> Seriously, they probably do. And I just was like, how did you guys form a relationship? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how did you cross that? You're an right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's it is my last thing. I'm going to let you go. So I'm not going to ask a general question about like a blanket thing. What would you give to young hockey? You know, people playing. I'm going to be selfish. My okay. my, my my niece my niece Julia is a phenom, and and I've talked with you know you about her before, Maria, and, and I, Biff knows. Like, I think it was. 2019 the Bruins took her to St. Louis for the all-star thing her oh. yeah she, there was a big her team qualified to play in a three-on-three tournament at the garden and both the men's and the the boys and the girls team from each age division got to go to to with the Bruins but after the tournament which her team won so she qualified every play in the tournament was in a shootout and it went 50-ish rounds she won the shootout so she was on the ice with the bruins all-star weekend the nesson did basically a special on her you know and and so like i said she she signed to go to cushing i think she was in the sixth grade or seventh grade so she's at cushing she's a sophomore she what is your advice to a, a, a student athlete now about like work-life balance or school-life balance, prioritizing. If you were to sit down and, and you know, have a hot cocoa with my niece, what would you tell her, hey, this is what's out there. This is where I am from point A to B. These are, these are the options, but this is how you might want to look at prioritizing things going forward. What advice would you have? Well, I always, my parents always instilled in me the, uh, how important school was. So I really did have the academic um, diligence to get to the schools I wanted to get to. Like I didn't get to Yale because I had I was a good scorer. I got because they didn't give athletic scholarships. I got to Yale because I had a good grade point average. So and I had good grades. So I I definitely tell young people you got to study, got to do well in school. And um, don't don't take it for granted. Don't think you're just going to get away with it if you're a good athlete. You have to be a well-rounded person. So apply yourself in, to your schoolwork as best you can. I mean, you know, maybe it's not your forte, but do as best that you can. Um, and the second piece of advice is do what you love and love what you do. So 
Um, I love hockey. You you guys know me. You know I will play till I'm Paul Laguar's age. If I can, he is my hero. Yeah. I look up to him like nobody's business. He, I, when someone says, "What do you want to achieve in life?" and I, I just want to play hockey as long as Paul does did, and and because I love the, the sport so much. I don't care how lousy I'll get. I'll definitely play. I'll get close to Paul's age. I'm hoping um, because you got to love what you do. And if you don't love playing hockey anymore and you're working because you spend a lot of time, practice, 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 practice makes perfect. So if you don't love what you're doing, find something else you do love. Life's full of joy. You just got to find your joy. So I, I found I saw you play last month. You're still a great hockey player. Yeah, well, thanks. Oh my God. Every time I get older, I get slower, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just going to keep playing. <laughs> but, but I mean, as, as much, and we said at the beginning, as much as you are a good skater, a really great skater, a great passer, you have the hockey intellect that, yeah. that it, it's, it's, it's yeah. not the next play. It, it's you are two, three, yeah steps above you are never where the puck is yeah. you're always where it's gonna go a step before people and 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 literally getting to play with you always a privilege playing against you always a pain in the ass i prefer watching because it's yeah. great to watch somebody yeah. this good from sitting up there like oh she's yeah. toying with that kid he's <laughs> he's a foot and a half taller he's faster he's so much stronger he can't figure out why she has the puck and he doesn't um so so uh, maria i mean we, we had to move the schedule so many times um you know i'll let biff say his piece yeah. at the end but i can't thank you enough for doing this i can't thank you enough going back 20 years for the friendship and mentoring for our former friend our friend who went on because of a lot of your tutelage but what you're doing for the players in the nhl now with the mental health making that a priority it's just so great to hear that on the inside that means something it's happening and again from 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 lisa to came granado to ben smith everybody that you've passed on your way that you've met that you form these relationships understand what you've done for yeah. this sport yeah. not women's sport for this sport yeah. on behalf of the people yeah. who don't get to talk to you on a regular basis thank you yeah well thank yeah. you guys i really appreciate being on this podcast with you yeah. we could go another hour i'm telling I you i have more yeah. stories maybe we should do this again yeah but I, i'll say you know, and i just want to add that you know i just think it's so amazing that you know you are where you are right now because in the end just like with you know every Sports is so competitive because everybody wants to do it, right? Everybody wants to be an you know athlete for a living, and only so many people can do it. But and but you know what? I, I think it's I think what you're doing now may have I think has a bigger impact on you know girls coming up in the sport even more because you know it's a way they can say you know what I I you know if I don't you know if I, my if my time as a player is done or whatever. You know, there are opportunities in hockey for me as a yes. woman. And yes. I, and you know what? And I just I just love the fact that, you know, I, I think that of all the sports, I think hockey is one of the ones where we have so much visibility of women in, you know, active roles. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you're a huge one. I mean, it was great seeing at the PWHL, you know, draft. It's like, hey, I know that face, you know, that, <laughs> You know, I mean, that, that was, I was like, what? You know, but I mean, I think, but I think that visibility is, I think it's just incredible that, you know, there are women who are executives in, you know, in the NHL, in the, in the sport, you know, in, 
in various forms. So I think in that sense, um, I'm really happy that, you know, the involvement of women in the sport is, you know, you know, increasing and, you know, people like you leading the way. So, well, you know, we didn't even get to talk about this, but I chair the female hockey advisory committee and it's a joint mm -hmm. NHL NHLPA committee to do yeah. exactly that, yeah. to make sure that women get the opportunities to yeah. be in hockey at whatever level they could be players. They could be yeah. officials. They could yeah. be coaches. They could be executives in the C-suite. Yeah. They could be doctors and lawyers and stuff like that. So, there's so many opportunities to be involved with the sport. That's why I say do what you love and love what you do. And it, it'll find you eventually. It took me a long time to find my dream job, but I, I just, I just lasted wow. it out. Right. Yeah. You know, if anyone deserves it, it's, it's you considering what you've done all those years past. I mean, come on. So <laughs> we, we, we're going to let you go, but we are going to title this part one <laughs> maria dennis the franchise we will circle back because literally like mine and biz passion for for this sport we could like any aspect we could just talk about officiating you know we, we could talk about the evolution of the fuck. let's not go there no, well, we could, well, you know, but the evolution of the puck, we could do a dissertation on that could get a doctor degree. Um, yes. So, so, but yeah, so, no, let's do part two sometime. I'm happy yeah. to do it. Yep. You guys Thank are you, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah.